Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the Gospel of Mark, entitled, Who is this guy? Jesus. Jesus walking on water is probably one of the most iconic miracles of Jesus, the best known of all the natural miracles. Yet surprisingly... During the the modernist era, some old school scholars tried to reason away this miracle by claiming that Jesus was actually walking on the beach parallel with the boat and it just looked like he was walking on water. Or, get this, that Jesus was actually walking on a natural raft made of reeds that was just underneath the water so that the disciples couldn't see it. They believed that this kind of explanation was easier to believe than the witness eye, eyewitness account that we have. Here is how sad the modernist era was. People were able to say that stuff with a straight face. Anyway, as you'll remember from last week, Jesus and his disciples have just gone to a remote place by boat somewhere near Capernaum on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And they've gone there for much needed R&R. But Jesus, because of his celebrity status, as soon as he steps on shore, there's this massive crowd of people there, and he starts teaching them, and it's very late, and they don't have any food, so he feeds 5,000 plus people with five loaves and two fish. Wow! Who is this guy? Jesus! And this miracle shows us that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the new Moses, who has come to lead his people and teach his people and feed his people. And ultimately, this, this miracle is a foreshadow of how Jesus will feed us, give us spiritual nourishment through his death on the cross. And then we pick up the reading in Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. Immediately Jesus said to, uh, so immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So Jesus sends his disciples away and then he dismisses this huge crowd so that he can spend some time alone with his heavenly father. Even Jesus needs to spend some time alone in the presence of God in order to recharge, to be spiritually renewed and strengthened, to have God's presence come and order his life and his priorities. If Jesus needs that, how much more do we need that? We then read in verse 47, Later that night, it was already dark, later that night the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. So the disciples are by themselves in the boat 
And Jesus is alone on the land. Now the disciples as fishermen would have been used to being out on the boat late at night fishing. But we read in verse 48. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Jesus, probably with the aid of the moonlight, sees the disciples in the middle of the lake and they straining at the oars. Because a, a very strong headwind has come up, they've probably taken down the sail and they've decided to row. And they, they, they're straining at the oars. They're working very hard. They're putting in a lot of effort, but they're making very slow progress. Have you ever felt like that in life? Straining at the oars? Shortly before dawn, they've been straining at the oars all night. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He sees them in trouble, he sees them straining, so he comes walking to them. He went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought, he was a ghost, an apparition. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Wow. Okay, a few points here. Firstly, some people have claimed that because the disciples thought Jesus was a ghost, it just shows how naive and superstitious they were, how they had no understanding of natural laws. But if that was the case, you would expect them just to smile and stupidly point and say, Hey, look, there's Jesus out for a walk. But instead, they're terrified. Why are they terrified? Because Jesus is walking on water. He's actually walking on the water. And they know that people can't walk on water. They understand natural law and that is the problem. That's why they terrify. And so they think, just like us modernists, there must be another explanation. Despite the fact that their eyes are telling them this is Jesus... Their reason is saying there must be something else. There must be another explanation. And it's too big to be a duck. So they come up with a conclusion that it must be a ghost. An apparition of Jesus. And this freaks them out. Their mind doesn't have a compartment for this. They don't know how to compute this. So they freak out. How would you respond in such a situation. Secondly, what we, we need to ask is, why does Jesus want to pass by them? Verse 48, we just, we just read it. He was about to pass by them. I mean, hasn't He come to help them? So why is He going to pass by? Or is he just trying to beat them to the other side of the lake? Or is he just coming to check to make sure they're really in difficulty and then he's going to leave? No. Of course not. I believe that this is an intentional allusion to the Old Testament, something that the original readers would, would not have missed. So we too need to read this through the lens of the Old Testament. 
Now, within the Old Testament, the phrase pass by is often used to describe God revealing himself, his presence to people. So when God reveals himself to Moses, the Bible says God passed by Moses. So by saying Jesus is passing by, it's implying that Jesus is about to reveal something of his true identity to them. And it's also to assure them, while they're struggling in their trouble, it's to assure them of his presence. It's about to reveal something of his identity and his presence to the disciples. Now, within the ancient times, people believed that the sea was the most uncontrollable force of chaos and evil within itself. No one could control it except God. And so, within the poetic sections of the Old Testament, they would describe God as treading, as walking on the sea. To poetically state that God has mastered, has control of this unruly beast, the sea. So one example in Job chapter 9 and verse 8, it actually says, God tread, God walked on the waves of the sea. And then in Job chapter 9 and verse 11, it states... When he passed by me, I could not see him. When he passed by, I could not perceive him. Now that's interesting. Jesus is walking on the water. And the disciples failed to perceive who he was. They thought he was a ghost. Wow. Who is this God, Jesus, who does what only God can do and walk on water? Does this mere human have the the very authority and power of God? And this authority, this power, that the disciples just don't have the category in their minds to, to understand it or to compute it, and so they freak out. And we read in verse 50, Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. As if he's saying, Don't panic, it's me. I'm here. Calm down. And Jesus assures them of his presence. And his presence is a source of comfort to them. Because if Jesus is present with us, what is the worst thing that can happen to us? Verse 51, Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Not only does he master the sea, but he even masters the wind. The waves and the wind obey him. They were completely amazed. Now the word completely is too soft a translation, for in the Greek there are actually two words. And a more literal translation would have been, they are exceedingly, abundantly amazed. 
Why? Because their friend, this human, this guy that they know has just walked on water, jumped into their boat and has calmed the wind up. They are exceedingly, abundantly amazed and you can't but blame them, can you? I mean, this is mind-blowing stuff. Imagine being there. But Mark, that the writer of the gospel does blame them for that reaction. Read again at the end of verse 51. They were completely amazed. Verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. If they had truly understood and comprehended the significance of the the feeding of the 5,000, if they had truly understood and comprehended who Jesus really is, then they wouldn't have been amazed to see the same guy walking on water. I mean, Jesus has really shown He's mastering over the natural world by multiplying the loaves. If they had just reflected on that, then they would have realized that walking on water wouldn't have been too much of a problem either. But this is not just a matter of merely misunderstanding. This is not an issue of just not truly comprehending the significance. For verse 52 states it was because their hearts were hardened. In other words, they were stubbornly refusing to believe. That is very harsh criticism. That is the same judgment that's given to the Pharisees when they stubbornly refuse to believe the evidence right before their eyes. Why? Would the disciples stubbornly refuse to believe? Perhaps it's because they just can't see how this guy, their friend, could be God's Messiah, the anointed one, the one who would come and turn this upside down world the right way up. Or or perhaps Jesus just didn't fit into their preconceived ideas of what the Messiah would be. Surely he would be Kicking out the Romans. Or perhaps they thought if Jesus really was the Messiah, he wouldn't have chosen them to be his followers. We don't know the answer. All we know is that they stubbornly refused to believe. And it's so puzzling. How could they not? How could they not believe? You see, the disciples didn't need any more evidence. They had loads of evidence. They had seen many miracles. What the disciples needed was a change of heart. What about you? Are you like the disciples who are seeing all the evidence in the Bible? 
Here in all the testimonies of people's lives that have been changed by Jesus. Watching people's lives right in front of you being transformed. Even being amazed. But failing to draw the right conclusions. Still stubbornly refusing to believe. Or is your heart softening? Being opened up to the extraordinary things that are happening right before you and within your spirit? Are you going to put your trust and faith in Jesus? Because we all need Jesus in our life. Life often gets very hard. The disciples were straining at the oars. They were, they were working really hard into this headwind that was against them. They were putting in a lot of effort and a lot of energy, but they were making very little progress. And they were afraid. They were afraid because they didn't know what the outcome would be. They were afraid of the situation. They were afraid because they didn't know if they would make it to their destination, if they would get to the shore. They tired. They were afraid. Have you ever felt like that? That you're straining at the walls? Straining against the headwinds and the storms of life? Putting in a lot of energy, putting in a lot of effort, but seeing very little results, making very little progress, or making no progress, or even going backwards? Afraid? Afraid because you don't know how it's going to work out? Afraid of the situation? Afraid because you, don't, you can't control the situation, you can't get the results, you don't know where the destination is going to be. And you're afraid and you feel like giving up. Have you ever been straining at the oars? Victoria and I have been straining at the oars. In fact, just this last week, we felt at times that we were straining at the oars with all the extra pressures that we were experiencing with Victoria's pile of marking that had just came in with an extra pressure of having to prepare for eight hours of lecturing and being away this weekend lecturing with the pressure of Naomi not being well at the beginning of the week. We suddenly felt that we were straining at the oars against the headwinds of life. But you know what makes the difference? Knowing Jesus is in the boat. Having that profound sense of the presence of God in your life. That's why we need to come to church. That's why we need to have personal and private times of, of worship and prayer. Because we need to have that profound sense of God's presence in our life. For in my experience, after spending time in private prayer and worship, I've had a profound sense of the presence of God with me. And there is a calm, a calm like after a storm. 
The headwinds of life are still blowing. The storm's still raging. But in the midst of the storm, I have a calm in my spirit. The fear has gone because I know the Lord of the storm is in my boat. I don't know the future. I don't control the future. I have no control over what's going to happen. I don't know where the destination is going to be. But I'm able to let go and trust Him, the Lord of the storm. And then I experience peace. See, when you become a follower of Jesus, Jesus doesn't promise that there won't be any headwinds and storms in life. Quite the contrary, actually. But He does promise to be with you. And we will all have that experience in life where we are straining against the walls and we will feel tired, we will feel afraid, and we will feel like giving up and we will shout out to God. We'll say, Jesus, I just can't keep doing this. I just want to give up unless you're with me. If you are walking with me, then I can keep going. But I need that profound sense of your presence with me. Are you in that place now? If you are, do you know the truth that God is with you? Do you have that profound sense of God's presence with you? If not, let Jesus come walking out to you in the midst of your storm and hear these words afresh. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Don't give up. It's me. I'm here. Do not be afraid. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so often we confess that we are, are like the disciples. We, we see the evidence, we read the evidence, we, we hear of people's testimonies, we see people's lives being changed in front of us. We're amazed and at awe of what's going on all around us. But we fail to truly comprehend who you are. Sometimes, Father, we even confess that we stubbornly refuse to believe and trust in you. Oh, Heavenly Father, won't you forgive us? And won't you give us the faith we need to trust you? And Father, often the times when it's most difficult to, to trust you is in the midst of the storms of life. Father, when we're struggling up against this headwind, when we're struggling against the storm, when we're putting in so much effort but nothing seems to be working, when we're afraid, when we're uncertain. Jesus, won't you come walking out to us? Won't you say to us afresh, Take courage, it is I.
Don't be afraid. And Father, we pray now that by your Holy Spirit, that we might have that profound sense, that awareness of your presence with us. That you love us, that you care for us, that you are with us, that you promise never to leave us nor forsake us. Father, won't you just open our spirits to receive that awareness of you. And allow God, by his Holy Spirit, to give you that profound sense and awareness of his spirit with you. Thank you, Lord.